I'm being too loud over here, Bill. No. <laughs> <laughs> what was Does that, that do anything? <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, was that you? Yeah, even with my mic <laughs> muted, I was like, maybe I'll just hear it. So that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had no idea. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have... We're going to talk rugby for about eight minutes and we'll do sound effects <laughs> for 20 <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. Welcome to U.S. Rugby Happy Hour Live. Thank you all so much for tuning in and listening in. Uh, Happy Hour Live brings you interviews with some of the biggest names in the U.S. rugby scene. Shows for you. Tonight, we welcome Wendy Young from your Scrum Half Committee. USA Women's Interim Head Coach Milton Haig joins us to talk about taking over the program, the Wales match, and preparing for the World 15s uh, series in South Africa. So be sure to tune in for that one Friday, 11 a.m., We'll mention that a few more times tonight. Uh, if you're not already following us, please do so at Eagles Overseas and Rugby Morning to get updates on future shows and news about USA Rugby, Major League Rugby, and much more. I am Bill Baker of Eagles Overseas, and my co-host is John Fitzpatrick. Hey, Fitzy. Good evening, Bill. What's going on? <laughs> I, I love your echo voice. Is it? Do you hear that? <laughs> yes. Oh, no. There's a... There's a... <laughs> Wendy, Wendy brought up the sound effects thing, and now I can't get the thing off. I'm sorry. <laughs> How do I turn this thing off? I'm going on mute for a second. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, all good. Uh, in the meantime, I think I'm good. Um, big news today. We're going to cover a couple of things before we get into the show. If you have not heard, um, this is really exciting for Major League Rugby fans, or, or not just MLR fans, sorry, Gallagher Premiership uh, fans, the, the Rugby Network has signed a two-year deal to air premiership matches. I mean, that gives me – I love watching the USA Eagles playing overseas. gives me a chance to see Capelli, Pifaletti, and A.J. McGinty playing more often. And, and the matches are really strong as well to, uh, uh, to tune into. Uh, a lot of fun watching. Um, but I do understand there may be a charge at some point. So for now, it's free, so enjoy it. Even if there's a charge, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. And, and, and the rugby network needs to make some money someday anyway. So, um, so why not, you know? So, also, um, I don't know if you caught it. Fitz, are you back yet? Yeah, I think so. I don't think my voice is echoing anymore. Oh, you're back from the cave. I liked it. Did you see Osama? <laughs> no, I did uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I, I don't know if you caught it earlier today, Fit, today Fitzy. Um, Uruguay and Italy. Did you see that match? I did. I watched it. That was uh, – uh, the first 60 minutes was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, no. I want to talk a little bit more about it with Wendy in a minute. So let's not get too deep into oh, it. But I do want to say, coming from an MLR perspective, Miami fans have to be excited about seeing uh, Manuel Odora playing great today. Like four turnovers he, he achieved. Oh yeah, he was all over the pitch, stealing balls left and right. Yeah, you, you've got to be excited if you're a Miami Sharks fan. Or at least Miami might get some money out of it when uh, you know a, a top fourteen team comes calling. Hey, uh, how much will it cost? To yeah, get no out of kidding. <laughs> Uh, and at some point, not this week, Fitzy, I think next Wednesday, anyone listening in now, if you're listening in, by the way, uh, we are streaming live to Facebook, LinkedIn, and um, another one, um, YouTube, the other one. <laughs> if you are listening in live there, go ahead and drop a question into uh, the comments and get them on here. And if you are listening in live here on Twitter Spaces, you can ask your own question by the question in the bottom left of the app and get you up here and ask any one of us questions as well. Uh, but with that said, next week, Fitzy, we're going to introduce a new segment at the very beginning. Uh, we haven't made a name of it yet, but it's going to be about beer, oh. which makes sense because we are happy hour. Yeah. Um, 
So we, you and myself, and if a listener, anyone wants to join us as well, uh, we'll introduce a new brewery and a new beer to our listeners. Just one. All right. So we'll just talk about the beer for a second. It won't be anything. It won't be long. Maybe 30 seconds okay. each and we'll get into our guests. Like a local, um, like a local beer or something? Yeah, maybe okay. something around you or something yeah. you bought maybe at a store nearby. It could be from Colorado. It could be, or maybe we ask our guests to do the same yeah. thing if they're up for it. But should we, um, uh, should we take a sip each time you mention that you played rugby? Oh, well, we'll be drunk by the 20th <laughs> minute. But <laughs> uh, I'm just, you know, I'm actually uh, uh, bewildered that you don't mention you played rugby at all. <laughs> Ever. Anyway. <laughs> okay. I'm happy to talk about me, Bill, but I don't think people want to hear from me. Oh, that's the only reason why I do this, to hear about myself. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Fitz, let's get going. Uh, we got some uh, USA Rugby stuff, uh, um, you know, uh, lots of women's rugby to talk about tonight. Something that we honestly don't do enough of, which we will be picking up on that as well. Uh, our guest tonight, returning for her third appearance on the show, um, from your Scrum Half Connection, Wendy Young. Hey, Wendy. Hey there. How's it going? Great. Uh, I, I see you found the soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I don't know. I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Should have. I like it. Ne- next show, we're going to talk like we're in space. It's amazing. Our, our entire hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. It's a great. So, so we mentioned earlier the um, the match today between Uruguay and Italy. Were you watching that match? I was. I was having to multitask a little bit, but you're right, John. The first sixty minutes was stunning. Yeah. So fun. I actually think the TMO and the match officials got it right with that penalty try. Yeah. It was really fun. And then it was really sad in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was so much going on, you know, drop goal, uh, yellow cards left and right, mm-hmm. you know, just, uh, and some are a little questionable if you ask me, but uh, I think you're right about that try. Uh, but yeah, it was like, it was like Italy played well for about 20 minutes. Uruguay took over, and then Italy said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it's our match. We'll uh, we'll we'll meet you guys next time." It's just it was exciting to watch, you know, just like a World Cup needs to be. Exactly. I think we're seeing a lot from these, you know, these European teams that play in their own trophy series and championship series, and then the South American teams. I mean, they are bringing the flavor. They're bringing great rugby, and I think that you know, expansion is happening for the women this year, and and the men really need mm. to think about it. And that's good. And and leading up to that now, okay, so let's get into it. Uh, the biggest news with the USA Women's program just recently was the announcement of a new interim head coach, uh, Milton Haig. Sorry, I couldn't get that word out of my mouth. Uh, he's got a ton of playing and coaching experience, most recently coaching in Japan, and then also was the head coach of Georgia men's program for a while, uh, actually leading them to two World Cups, like we just mentioned. You know, so how, do you know much about Milton Haig? You know, what can you talk about him? Do you know anything about his coaching style and you know how his teams tend to play? I don't know a lot about Milton, but, you know, looking at his resume, I think he's really exciting. I think it's interesting that they didn't name him an interim interim because he's like kind of replacing Rich and it's kind of an awkward situation. I mean, congrats to Rich on getting that Stanford job. I think that's, you know, in his backyard, super exciting. Um, But yeah, Milton Haig, I think looking at his resume and talking to a few of the players that know him, they're really, really excited. And then John Hager as well. He's got, you know, a resume as long as can be seen. And then Melody Bozeman, I mean, just coming out of the Blackburn camp, I mean, she is a huge pickup. She's probably the one I'm the most excited about. Oh, no, no doubt. And we, I want to touch on those two in a short time here. Uh, you just mentioned Rich as well. So if you look at Rich, Rob, you know, they had more experience coaching the women's programs. Do you think that's important, um, you know, to have that experience coaching uh, women's programs as opposed to men? Or is it just the same for either coach? 
I think there are facets that are the same, but I think it's like a men's jersey fit versus a women's jersey fit. It's made for a woman, oh. right? Like, so it's got room in the hips and all of that, right? So um, I'm not saying we're overly emotional or anything like that, but it, you just can't pretend mm-hmm. that we're little men. That doesn't work. Um, and so there are facets of it that I think are important. And I think we have seen more success with coaches that have at least coached some women's. Um, you know, you can look at the Black Ferns and, and their coaching staff, and he's gone from coaching them to coaching them men and then he he comes back every time because it's something special about coaching the women so i think that there is something special with this usa team and i think that um you know hague's got his work cut out for him it's a it's a big country to cover um, mm-hmm. but i think you yeah. know he's got the experience and so i'd like to see what he can do yeah wendy bill brought up rob kane rich ashfield right so that's kind of what i guess third coach in like a year or two i, I can't imagine that's easy for the players to have to you know learn new program or new system if if you know what i mean yeah i totally agree i think there's yes have been some um upheaval there and you know rob came in with covid and you know how to plan in place and then everything was changed and honestly he had to pick up some pieces and do the best he could and i think he got you know a tough tough assignment um it was a tough assignment to begin with with him mm-hmm. being based in the uk and doing the best that he could. So he did what he could. Um, but, you know, that performance at the World Cup, yeah, I mean, that just wasn't what we wanted. Um, and then Rich Rich has been involved in the program for a long time, and he's coached lots of college teams. And, and uh, Beantown, he's coached a lot of teams over the years. So he's familiar with how the USA works and the intricacies of it. So I think it's smart to keep him on and just kind of help with some of the transition. And, you know, hopefully this whole team will stay until we've got our full-time coaching staff in place. Right. And I, you know, it's interesting. Next question then is, do we, or do you anticipate maybe like a completely different playing style for the women's Eagles? I don't know that you're going to have the time to do that. I mean, they're going to South Africa. They're in, they're getting ready to play Wales in the next couple of weeks. And then they're going to go to South Africa to be in the WXV2. So I don't know that there's going to be time to completely revamp. I think you look at what you've got and you make a couple of tweaks, but you're probably relying on the system that they mostly have in place right now. Yeah, I mean, is is Kate Zachary going to be in the in the pack, or is she going to be out playing outside center? I mean, like that's the question I would love to know. <laughs> yeah, I think Ealing Trailfinders, her new team. I think that's the question we all want to know: is like, where is she going to play? And they've got Bitzer, and you know, they got a couple Americans on that team now. And yeah, what's Kate going to wear? Is she going to come out with a you know a seven on her back, and then next week she'll be a nine, and then maybe a fourteen? It's exciting. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> We, uh, you mentioned the, the, the two assistant coaches, John Haggard and, and Melody uh, Bozeman. Did I say that right? Or Bossman, Bozeman? Like the, I believe it's Bozeman. Bozeman, yeah. You mentioned the Black Fern experience. Um, for those not fam- too familiar with them, maybe elaborate a little bit more on you know, what they bring to the coaching staff. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, John, he's most recently worked as an assistant coach for the Black Ferns. So alongside that, you know, fantastic team that just won the 2022 World Cup. So I think, you know, just looking at him, he is just a strong coach in general. He also has quite the pedigree as a player as well. So we can't, you know, discount that either. And I think, you know, the biggest thing about John is he's just been in and out of New Zealand rugby for a really long time. And so he's got just a ton of experience there. And he's worked alongside some of the greats. I mean, he's worked along Wayne Smith and, you know, all of those players. Um, And then, you know, he's coached those Black Ferns that are playing at the top of their game right now. So I think he's really exciting. 
Now, looking at uh, Milton taking over basically this weekend after, I think, the Ireland scrimmage, um, I believe it was this weekend, uh, and then uh, Milton takes over. But I wonder, it's like with Rich, you know, I wonder if he's a, a little intimidated with having Milton like looking over his shoulder this whole week <laughs> at all. You know, <laughs> Again, they both have a great experience, but it just, I don't know, it just seems like, okay, is, am I doing it right? That kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's my insecurities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's probably just a, an honor, right, to be in their presence and to learn yeah. from them. And I mean, Rich is, he's kind of always seem to he's definitely had head coaching roles but I think he really likes being in that kind of assistant or as he goes to Stanford as director to where you know you're you're not like doing the game plan 101 every day but you're looking at the bigger picture and I think he really likes that role mm-hmm. and so I think this is probably a good fit for him and man I would be soaking this up and loving yeah. every minute of it and let's let's jump into uh the player pool the USA player pool is available um I, I okay I'm gonna I'm gonna kill these names and i apologize so let's go with page <laughs> uh stathopoulos stathopoulos am i even close wendy <laughs> <laughs> sounds very greek okay. it does stathopoulos <laughs> and then yeja dunn oh i think i got that one okay um so the two standouts in the wpl they, they were they were add to the player pool you know can you speak of any other players that are wpl players that we should be uh, you know that we should expect to stand out possibly in this uh in this series yeah i think those two are absolutely standouts you know pages with beantown and then you've got yeja mm-hmm. um coming over from beantown as well so two beans there you know trying to get that sponsorship for them I, any mm-hmm. bean company this is money <laughs> Let's make it happen, <laughs> you know, but um, also looking at New York, uh, New York Rugby Club, who, you know, are in the final four of the semifinals. We're just waiting for the WPL. We're just waiting to see what seed they'll be. But Tiara, I mean, fantastic player, just electric out there. And then, I mean, this roster is littered with beanies. So I think that's really exciting. We mentioned two already. And I think this is a, you know, a good opportunity for some of these players to, again, get their name out there. Some of them have been in camps or they've been around. Um, but this is kind of a, a little bit of a new slate that we're looking at. And I think, you know, like Emily Heinrich, she's been out there for a while, but, and she's just racking up every award you can win and uh, just making her mom so proud. And I'm excited to see her back in a, in a USA shirt. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about some of these, the new slate of players, which, which I'm excited about, you know, a couple questions here. So, you know, who, who is the future of this team, right? We know there's a lot of great veterans here. We'll have a question about Hope Rogers in a moment here, but who should USA fans really start to take notice of, you know, a name that, um, Bill and I were talking about earlier you tweet you 23 um, Olivia Leatherman I think she's in the, the training squad I guess like who, who are these up-and-coming players that we should start to take notice of yeah I think uh, Olivia is there Notre Dame College like super good athlete I think she's you know has a chance to show herself at this camp and I like that they're bringing those four kind of reserved Ireland only mm-hmm. so I think that's really exciting for them I mean we obviously know Sarah Levy and Jenny Cronish um, and then Amanda Burt has been making her mark on experts uh, PR sevens but I think the ones to look at is uh, Haley Telefu she's been around for a bit and she's been kind of trying to find her spot on the squad she's an eager young player that I I think is is exciting and then I think some other ones to look at are we already kind of talked about them but Paige and Yeja really good and then uh that I, I'm, I'm not sure how to say this one but Tana Tuakua Fu is what I would guess from Lindenwood 
I've only seen, a, you know, highlights of her on TikTok, but uh, she's looking really quick and, you know, looks like she's got some rugby brain going on with her as well. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, some players who are returning back to the mix. So Hope Rogers, she's been huge for the U.S. Um, she's coming back uh, from injury. She's staying with Exeter until – the team heads to the women's Eagles head to South Africa, but just how important is hope's presence and really just to the overall team success. Yeah. I think hope kind of, she burst onto the scene, you know, and, and was a prop that was dynamic and something that a lot of the other teams, you know, Canada has dynamic props. England has dynamic props. We, and we needed one. The USA needed one. And hope burst onto the scene and really was that force. And I think redefined kind of what, um, our pack could be and she was so young when she played you know for the USA um, and it just really made an impact and I think she's been able to kind of rally the team around her not only you know with her Santa hat and doing things that are endearing and make you want to get to know her and 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 understand who she is but she's just a team a teammate you know first and foremost and uh, is able to rally those players around her and you know now she's got a couple world cups under her belt and now she's mm -hmm. the veteran so it's her turn to teach some of these youngsters um, everything that she's learned. Uh, listeners, if you're listening in over on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, or YouTube, go ahead and drop us a question in the chats. I see a few listening in on Facebook right now and a couple on YouTube. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Also, we got our buddy Corey here live on uh, on the Twitter app. Uh, go ahead and ask a question if you like, buddy. Uh, coming up. Uh, in the meantime, you know, Wendy, you, you mentioned Haley a minute ago. Um, it's great to see her in the mix here because I know she was having issues, visa issues last year, getting back overseas to uh, Lafayette. Um, it just didn't work out for her. So it's good to see her really succeeding in the WPL. But with her, and we got 29 other players on this list. So I just kind of want to go through a few things here also. You know, 12 or, or 13 Alliance premierships with um, Bulao now signing, re-signing with Lafayette as well. So 10 or 11 WPL players, three college, four sevens players, all backs, oddly enough, never any sevens forwards. Uh, <laughs> Except for Hope, right? Hope did Except it. For Hope. That's, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so speaking of sevens players, any thoughts on why we're not really seeing, you know, the likes like Nia Tapp or Lev, Chrissy Kirsch in the mix? Yeah, that's kind of been a continual, you know, interest of mine. We we sometimes will blend our sevens and fifteens programs together, but I think the preference is to keep them apart. There was actually an article that just came out today that's saying that Canada is blending their teams back together just mm -hmm. because they don't have the depth that England or you know even uh, New Zealand have. And so training them separately, you're splitting all your resources, you're splitting your coaching staff. Those players are only learning that function, so they're bringing them back together. So we have had periods of that with the USA and. Um, I think we're getting better at having combined camps and doing things together. But I, I wonder if these players, I mean, we've got the new seven series uh, coming up. They've got, you know, events happening in December for that. So they're probably in camp getting ready. Um, and, you know, we've got to get ready for Paris 2024. It seems like it's really far away, but it's not. Mm -hmm. um, right. So I'm wondering if that's kind of just the focus. And while WXV is important and we need to do well so that we qualify for the 2025 Rugby World Cup, we also got to, you know, do well in the Olympics as, as well. All right. So we're talking about uh, the scrimmage with Ireland this week, and then they face Wales next week. So Wales uh, ranked sixth, sixth and the U.S. ranked seventh. Uh, even though this is a warm-up match, really, for the uh, um, W15s, you know, would you consider this kind of a must-win, especially if USA wants to get back into that top four again soon? 
Yeah, I, I think both t- teams have a lot of pressure on them. You know, Wales got into WXV1. They earned their spot there. I think that it's really exciting to see that they had some downturns, had some issues with their union. They're still having issues, but it seems to be at least that their performance is getting better. They've got contracts now. Um, they've just announced seven new contracts, you know, and yeah. including some really exciting players that are coming into the fold. So I think there's a lot of pressure for them to perform and their union wants them to perform. But I think you're, you've hit the nail on the head there that uh, USA needs to win this game or keep it close. You know, our performance at the World Cup we're not improving. Um, we had a very winnable match against Italy and we just dropped the ball. And then, you know, we played with Canada for 60 minutes in our quarterfinal and then mm-hmm. they just took the ball and ran with it. It was kind of like with Uruguay today. We looked really good and then we couldn't make it happen uh, when we needed to make it happen. So I, I think if if it's a loss, it's not the end of the world because it's a warm up. But I think it would give us a lot of confidance going into it. I mean, frankly, a tough WXV2. Right. Yeah, let's let's talk about the WXV2, right? So USA is going to take on Samoa, Scotland, you know, a rematch against Italy, which I'm, you know, I'm excited to see. All that's taking place in October in South Africa. You know, again, you mentioned it. I'm sure the women's Eagles are a little disappointed they're not in tier in the tier one competition, but clearly, you know, earning promotion to there to tier one is certainly attainable. Either way, I mean, adding this amount of international tests to the calendar, you know, this is, this is new. It's got to be huge for the growth of just the women's team and, and the women's game really across the board. Yeah. I mean, I think that the introduction of the WXV is very smart by world rugby. And I think like you said, we've got to get more matches for all of these teams. Even that WXV team take out Ireland of that mix. Those teams are playing three to four test matches on a non world cup year maybe five on a world cup year, right? Like they are not getting proper preparation. So this is going to give them good games and almost everybody is playing warm up matches. I mean, we just saw um, South Africa beat Kenya, Japan and um, Fiji just played like they are. The unions are clearly excited and, you know, it's a little bit disappointing for USA to be in WXV2, but I think it's going to be really quite competitive. I think we'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. Scotland is in the Six Nations and they are playing, you know, well. And then Japan, having the few tests that they have, I mean, they are looking really strong and South Africa is looking strong. And then Samoa is a kind of a wild card. You know, yeah. we know they're going to be tough, um, physical. And then Italy, of course, playing in the Six Nations, and that'll be a, an interesting rematch. Um, I think this is probably the right place for USA to be where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. No. So, so Wendy, what do you, what do you think the expectations are for the tournament? Is it to to win all three games? Is it can be competitive in in all the games? Is it to get some new players in the mix? What do you what do you think is the uh, the expectation on on this team headed into the WXV two? I mean, the goal here is to qualify for the 2025 Rugby World Cup, right? We've only got four teams in, um, and they're, they're all in WXV1. Everything else is up for grabs. And yes, it's going to be 12 teams, so the likely, or excuse me, it'll be 12 more for the WXV. Um, so the likelihood of us getting in is high, um, being in that middle tier. But I, I can't imagine that the plan is not to win, right? Um, that would be the stamp, um, where we are typically a five or a six team. And we're not even in the top six right now. Um, I think that puts a stamp on it if we win that whole the whole thing. And going three and zero is very achievable. I think it's yeah. I think it's interesting. I think Italy and Scotland will be tough matches. Italy mm-hmm. will be the harder match, and then the other ones are. It just depends on the day, right? Like we've got to show up. I mean, that's. I'm really excited. We've got the scrimmage with Ireland this weekend, and then we're playing Wales. So we've got those warm up games. But we had warm up games before the World Cup where we actually looked yeah. really good. We held England to like. 
20 points for 60 minutes. And then again, we just kind of lost it. But I mean, there's glimmers of beautiful rugby and then there's just awful rugby happening sometimes. Well, there was also that warm up match against Wales uh, for Wales. You know, it was basically all of our Alliance premiership players, yeah, uh, which we played very well in. Right. Uh, so you just don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's what I think there, there's no there's little continuity happening. And I think that is the function of we've got PWR players coming over. Oh, this game, we don't have them. Oh, we've got some. They're on contract problems. I mean, there's there's definitely issues that need to be worked out. And I'm excited that the Allianz Cup is happening starting this weekend. And so mm-hmm. a lot of our USA players are getting that experience and then they'll come join uh, you know, later on. Um, but then they're holding off on the actual PWR kicking off until after the WXV. Like that was very smart uh, to be done. Yeah. All right. So speaking of Alliance, uh, uh, the Premiership League over there, Kate Zachary mentioned earlier moving to Ealing. Uh, any opinions, any thoughts of why she made that move? I think they've got a really interesting coaching staff going on. Um, yeah. Lots of brain power there and Kind of the new shiny penny, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think is a little bit of it, but they've come hard. They've definitely, you know, put their vision forward. And I feel like with, you know, the coaching staff that they've got in place that I think that it was probably really tempting, um, you know, director of women's rugby, Giselle Mather, like what a, what a name there. And then just all of these coaches, oh, yeah. it's a full team. Brett Wilkinson going to be the scrum coach. You know, I mean, this is this is really appealing um, and they've got the support of their men's team behind them. So not that the other teams don't have that. I mean, like Exeter's really well supported. Saracen's very well supported. But right. um, I think they've just got a really good mixture and a good pitch happening because look at look who's come over. So many players. Yeah, true. And speaking of coming over, we're seeing a bunch of players or a handful of players returning to WPL this year. You know, Carly Waters, um, Charlie, Jenny Cronus came back, you know, just to name a few. Uh, it. it what what kind of sign is this? Is it a good sign for the WPL? Is it do we expect to see more return maybe after the 23-24 season? Yeah, I think the you know the PWR staying at 10 teams was good, but then they've put in some new kind of regulations or guidelines that you can't have as many overseas players and so I think that has yeah. put a squeeze on who can play there and that's you know just England kind of looking out for their own, right? You know, Exeter had like 12 of their however many were all overseas. Um, So I think that squeeze has happened. So I think some players, you know, just didn't fit or couldn't fit in the guideline. And so they've had to come home. But I do think it is kind of a good thing for the WPL. I think we've seen really high play in the WPL this year. Really excited for the final matches this weekend. And then, of course, the semifinals and the championship are coming as well. So I think the WPL, it's 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 the PWR's loss, but WPL's gain. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of those playoffs coming up, you know, this is the last week of regular season. Um, you know, a lot online, actually. Well, not a lot. Um, like, basically, the second and third seeds are up in the air at this point. Uh, Berkeley's locked in at number one. Then we got Beantown needs to beat Berkeley this, this weekend to finish in second uh, to take over Colorado, who were off, already played their game. So I'm looking forward to hopefully a home playoff game up here in Boston. Oh, by the way, Beantown is now sponsored by Bush's, Bush's Baked Beans. Okay. Um, <laughs> is this how you anticipated the season wrapping up? Were, are the, were these the four teams really vying for a championship from, from day one? I think so. I think the only team that you always put a, a little asterisk next to is Life West. Um, right. I think they didn't, you know, didn't quite have the start they wanted. And when you go back and look at some of the articles, their coaching staff did mention that they wanted to use the early part of the season to – develop players and i'm not saying that's wrong but maybe they just took a little bit longer to get out of the gate and lost some of those early key matches um but i think they're one that 
uh, you know, is always a threat. And then, you know, the bottom of the, the you know, the other half or the bottom teams there, um, we've seen Twin City, Amazons be in the top. I think they'll be back there. And then Chicago North Shore, they've got great coaches. They've got great support. Um, it'll only be a matter of time for them to improve. You know, and the new expanded schedule and the split in the middle and everything that is being required of these teams is new. And so this was always going to be an adjustment year. But mm-hmm. seeing Berkeley back on top and then, you know, the other couple seeds that need to shake out with Beantown in New York and the Grey Wolves, um, I, I do think that is the top four teams that I've kind of picked at the at the beginning of the season. Perfect. All right. I think it's a good time to go to our listeners. Uh, David's back. Hey, buddy. Hey, how you all doing? Thanks for having me. Good, man. Of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry to be joining so late. Um, Ms. Young, th- th- this is a real treat. I've been looking forward to this. I'm sorry I joined late. It's it's an interesting thing. I, I've always been strangely proud that in the USA, our women's programs, the 15s and the 7s, have always been more successful than the men's. Of course, and for decades now, the, the call has been, when is the sleeping giant going to awake? When is the USA going to be good? And of course, when people say that, they, they're talking about the men's. If the men's program does become, you know, elevates to where we all kind of hope it will be, do you fear that will be at the expense of the women's game? Oh, that's a great question. I hope not. And I love that you, you know, clarified that the sleeping giant is the men because it's every article that's ever written. It's like, Oh, that's another article about the men. Great. Here we go. You know, so it's tough. Um, I I hope it's not. I think, you know, there's been some really good things happening with particularly, I think the sevens program with Emily Bible coming in um, and taking over uh, from, you know, her predecessor, she's managed her budget just so well, you know, where men, the men are historically well over budget and had not been, you know, reined in until bankruptcy, basically. Um, They've just been allowed to spend money. And I think, you know, Emily's come in and, and said, great, this is the budget and this is what I can do. And she's leveraged her relationships and she's been smart about doing it. And I think it's a great example for what the men should do instead of just spending an extra million dollars and still not making the World Cup, right? Um, Okay, sorry. That's an exaggeration. They didn't spend a million dollars this year, but the year, the World <laughs> Cup before, they spent an extra million dollars right. um, and did poorly. So, I mean, I hope that the men can get it together. I think, you know, having Scott Lawrence as the interim coach, he seems to be doing good things. He knows the landscape. Kind of already talked about that, you know, knowing the how the USA works and where the players are and, and all those things and is important here. Um, it's unique, just like every union is. So I think they've got some pieces there. Um, and then Mike Friday, I think he's he's great. He just seems to be not as consistent as he was in the beginning. But I think we get all those things in line, and then the teams start playing well. And uh, I think we can probably see the sleeping giant finally awake. I mean, we do have the 2031 and the 2033 World Cup in the United States, so we've got something to work towards for sure. Is there a silver bullet? If I, I mean, is it is it just money? If if I was sitting here with unlimited pockets, could I, you know, quote fix unquote USA Rugby, or is there just so much more to it than that? Man, these are such like tough questions. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I don't claim to be an expert on USA Rugby. I mean, I am a member of the. USA Rugby Club Competitions Committee. So I just want to be careful here. And, you know, that committee is very different than the national office that is USA Rugby. And the things that they oversee are very different. And, you know, I don't think it's a silver bullet because I know, 
I know in my heart of hearts that money has been mm-hmm. thrown at the men's program. I mean, there's a there's been a call that went out about two weeks ago to help fund some of the junior national team programs. And I know they got a lot of donations and that is good, but I don't think that's going to solve it. I think we've got to solve it from the bottom up. We've got to get our silos back together. Um, and I know that is not a popular opinion, but I think, you know, looking at the models across the world where they've got youth programs running right into their college programs and then right into their club programs, I think that's we've got to figure out a way to do that. Um, and I know there's some committees working on that, but we've got to be able to get those players, you know, with good equity along the way, because what we're hearing is that their youth program has run well. The college program has run very well. The club program is in shambles where there's not even a bathroom or balls. And in some cases, right? So if I've been a college athlete and had access to a gym and a trainer, why would I go play at a grass dirt field? doesn't make sense. Thank you so much. I, 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 sorry to just like take over there. That, that is fantastic. I'm such a big fan of yours. Thank you. Thanks, David. You just gave us a chance to run to the bathroom, though. That was perfect. Appreciate it. Uh, Does this so, soundboard have a toilet? Let's see. Oh. <laughs> so we, hopefully you don't find that. Um, uh, quickly with the Eagle squad, uh, last question about the Eagle squad here, Wendy. Uh, 30 players, um, but looking at the top four teams at WPL, Berkeley has one player on the squad, Colorado three, Beantown six, and New York one. If it's not the international talent that makes a team like the All Blues contenders, what is it? Yeah, it's it is interesting. You know, Berkeley having an almost undefeated season. They've only drew a match against New York early in the season, and definitely are mm-hmm. you know look like they're marching their way towards a championship back to back. But it is interesting that uh, the players aren't reflected in this squad. But, of course, there's so many gray areas there. It can be age. It can be interest. You know, if a player has got a family or a professional career that they don't want to do that, that's acceptable. Um, So I think there's a lot of, like, angles to kind of look at this for. But when I look at the WPL players that are on the roster, I think that there's a really good mix here. So, Wendy, I guess as as we head towards the the end of the regular season of the WPL and look forward to the playoffs – how would you rate the quality of this season? You know, I think it's been really good. I've worked with the WPL referee match officials, so I'm a referee coach, so I get to watch at least a game a week, if not more. And I think the quality of the teams has definitely grown. I really think it was interesting watching who did what during the split. You know, some teams didn't miss a beat and just kept training. Other teams completely took a break. And then, of course, we saw North Shore and a couple of other teams play Club 7s as well. So I think it was really interesting kind of watching what they did and coming out of that break, um, not missing a beat. I think that has been the most exciting part for me. I think a couple of us were like, oh, it's a long time. It's two weeks. And of course, some players went and did international assignments and things like that, but some players didn't play at all. And maybe that was really good for their bodies and for their mind and you know that wellness aspect that we talk a lot about. Um, but I think the quality is the best it's ever been. And I think we've got you know a good mix of seven teams and I think uh, it's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this next question is kind of in a, in a vein of what you know David had asked, but um, you know, we've seen in the NWSL, so the National Women's Soccer League, more investment in that league and the growth numbers just up across the board. You know, what do you think it'll take to get investment, more investment or resources or attention towards the WPL? Is it through MLR? Is it grassroots? Is that, do we have enough time to talk about that? <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think, you know, the WPL putting together the, the new board of directors, and they just announced a, no, a new a member of that, uh, you know, as they move towards uh, semi-professionalization, I think they have a lot of those kind of plans, uh, you know, in the in the works or in the plans, I would say. It's probably a better uh, description. You know, they're, they know they've got to get sponsors. They know that they've got to figure out streaming, you know, either it's, a, you know, live or it's a, you know, tape to delay, which they're already kind of doing, but now we need commentators. So I know that their playbook of what they want to do is huge, um, but they've got to get some sponsors on board. And I think their board of directors is the right group to do that. And I know that they are, um, you know, they've been in talks with the MLR. They've been working with individual MLR teams. Um, the outcome there hasn't always been what was expected. I'm, I'm thinking of New York and um, you know, initially the advertising was that they would be inside the stadium and then they had to play outside. So there's been some faltering there, some steps that were missed. But, you know, you've got to start somewhere. And the WPL is the longest running USA rugby club, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, league ever. You know, it's outlasted super rugby. It outlasted pro rugby. It's outlasted the MLR, frankly. Right. So they're doing something right to keep that league going. And I think there just needs to be continued belief. And then they need the support. They need some sponsors. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, we're going to pass around a hat afterwards and we'll That's right. raise some money and let's do this thing. But Wendy, speaking of MLR, um, congrats on, on calling a bunch of MLR games uh, this season. Um, there you that go. Me. <laughs> okay, that's enough. Uh, did, you, did you enjoy the experience um, and did you have like a favorite game that you called? I did really enjoy the experience and, and appreciate your kind words. It it was a, a leap for me personally to, you know, to even call and, and try to do an audition for them because I wasn't sure if I was ready or at the level, but I knew that if I didn't try that I would never know. And so I was really mm-hmm. pleased when they, you know, took me on and they were very upfront, the production team, they were great. And they were like, you know, your rugby experience is spectacular and you know how to talk about rugby, but you do not know how to be a broadcaster. <laughs> so I had to do a lot of work, <laughs> right? Like, and you can tell from even my like first match to, well, I hope you can tell from my first match to my, I think I did eight um, Mm. that it was, I felt like it was a a huge improvement and I felt more comfortable um, and really enjoyed the experience. And they've been, it's a really nice team atmosphere where, you know, nobody's, you know, like you're not a very good broadcaster and I don't want to work with you. And no, it was very family. I mean, Stacey Pates, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, on all access premiere, just, she said it right, that it was a family and, and she's not kidding. MLR is absolutely a family and it's, it's wonderful to be there. Um, my favorite game was the Seattle San Diego um, in Seattle early on. So it was the one number one East versus number one West. Um, mm-hmm. That one was spectacular and, you know, went down to the wire um, with just a, a couple points at the end of the game, separating the two teams. Um, it was really fun. Um, and then of course that the match on March 18th, where it was an all female, um, including our sideline and analysts with right. Bree and Tammy was just really fun. Um, it just to work with them as well. Um, and you know, they're both professionals and I learned a lot from working with them. I've been around my career. I've worked around, uh, sports broadcasting my entire career and, um, it's hard to do broadcasting games, play by play color, whatever else is really hard to do. Luckily for everybody, I was never on that side of things. But it, it's hard, and I thought you did a great job, Wendy. I thought it, that, that game with all three of you down in Atlanta, I thought was great. I think it's, again, hard to do, and I think you, you've, you've definitely did a great job. Thank you. And by the way, I found the toilet sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, <that's> awesome. Wendy. <laughs> Listen, we, we've taken up enough of your time. Uh, one last thing for you. 
what's next for you? Where will we see you next? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very hopeful to be back with the MLR, um, working with them uh, and doing some more games this season. And then I will be trying to make myself more available for USA events. Um, that's where I think my next big step is, is I've done a lot of domestic work and the MLR was kind of the step into, yes, it's domestic, but it's full of international players. So learning those pronunciations and understanding their culture mm -hmm. and being respectful of that, um, it has been a really big step for me. So I think that next step is trying to do some international events. Um, and so I'm, I'm making myself uh, known and available for those. So anybody out there listening, I would like <laughs> to do those. <laughs> um, you you, you got to connect with Dallin Stanford. He gets all the names down. Either he gets them oh, all yeah. right or he's so good at doing it, we don't know if it's right or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? He's so fluid. You're like, okay, that sounds real. Yeah, no, Dallin was my connection to the MLR. I'd worked with him before right. and I leaned on him and said, hey, get me in contact with the right people. And, and he did. So thank you so much to Dallin. And he's killing it at the World Cup. He's doing so great. Yeah, he is. And uh, yeah, again, that's a whole other level too. And I think he's doing great. Uh, Wendy, uh, thank you, man. Thank you so much for tuning in. Where can people find you online? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I am everywhere at YSC Rugby. So that's at all the socials and then YSCRugby.com as well. And uh, I, you were clearly a scrum half at one point, correct? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Wendy, thank you so much. Uh, have a great week and we'll see you again soon. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, just a reminder to you all, if you didn't catch it earlier in the show, we actually have two shows this week. Tonight's, which you just listened to or just caught up, if you missed it, uh, stay tuned for tomorrow's replay on your favorite podcast player. Then Friday coming up, Friday morning, 11 a.m., we have the new USA Women's Interim Head Coach, Milton Hay, joining us. 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific. Uh, that will be a great conversation with the new guy. Uh, totally looking forward to that. Fitzy, man, thank you. Anything else you want to share? No, this was great. And um, I'm really surprised about this Friday morning show. You surprised me with that, Bill. I guess I have to be ready for it. <laughs> okay, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you so much. Fitzy, I'll see you or talk to you on Friday. Good night, everybody.